Today's Bible reading is Genesis 12, verses 1 to 8, and I'm going to read it. It's not very long, really important verses though. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot and all his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Moreh. And at that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there. And he dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. And after that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. And there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord. So as I said, I want to welcome, actually I want to welcome anyone who's visiting today. And we especially want to welcome two gentlemen who are sitting down the front. So on the left, I'll start with you first, Craig. Uh, Craig Beach. And Craig is, is a friend of, friend of ours. We've known him for a while. Um, he's a very active friend of Israel he sits on the executive of Carmel Friends. Um, he's also involved with Friends for Israel and has for a long time um, been an advocate for not just the Jewish people but for the promises of God that we also know God has given to the Jewish people. And we want to partner with his purposes to see um, God's promises God's covenants fulfilled completely. So Craig, we welcome you. And next to him is Rami Sherman. <laughs> I haven't even met you yet, Rami, <laughs> but it's good to see you. Um, so Rami, um, you were born, you were born, can I say when you were born? Is that okay? Then we all know how old you are. Yep. 4th of April, 1953. And uh, Rami's parents were Holocaust survivors and came to live in Israel in 1945. We welcome you this morning as an Israeli Jew. Uh, we are almost predominantly Gentile believers, one Jewish believer here, yes, uh, one or two actually. Um, and uh, we are so glad to have you. We're, I understand that you grew up in the north of the country and actually on the Syrian border until the Six-Day War in 1967. You were in, educated in the kibbutz system. And in 1972, you enlisted in the army um, and you were accepted into an elite unit. I'm not quite sure exactly what that means, but I understand elite unit, yes. Um, and uh, in 1976, just four years later, actually when you were 23 years old, that's not very old. Who's 23? Come on. Yeah. Stand up. Come on. Yeah. 
When, when, when Rami was 23 years old, in 1976, an Air France airliner was hijacked and rerouted to Entebbe. And Rami, you were the operations officer of the unit under the command of Yoni Netanyahu, who is Benjamin Netanyahu's brother. And he died in that operation. Um, so how many of you remember this? I do have... I do have memories of hearing this. Yeah, come on. Don't put your hands down so quick. <laughs> he wants to see. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and then you're going to talk about that, Rami, so I'm not going to say any more about this. Upon returning to Israel, though, you continued to serve in the unit and you were a special operations commander until 1980. After you were released from active duty, you helped establish the reserves unit, which is so important. Um, such an important part of the IDF in Israel. At age 50, you were released from doing reserve service. You're married. You have two daughters. You're a grandfather to five grandchildren. You're also a physiotherapist. You finished your studies in 1990. Well done. <laughs> and you've worked in various positions, including as a physiotherapist for the Israeli Olympic team. <laughs> Um, in 1933, you moved to Kibbutz Ma'agan, Michael. Have I said that right? Yeah. <laughs> Where they still live today. <laughs> oh, it's very humbling to read biblical words in front of you, Rami, let me just say. <laughs> but we look forward to hearing from you today. We, um, we look forward to hearing about Operation um, Yon... Yonatan, is that what it's called? Yonatan. And we pray that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God, through Jesus Christ, blesses you richly. Would you come? Would you welcome Rami Sherman? Okay. Thank you. Yes. Wow. In the front of all of you. Thank you, Jean. <laughs> How to start? It's the most difficult thing. You know, while the car moves, we know how to drive. But, you know, which car to buy and what word to use and, you know, which one I would like him to sit next to, to me or maybe I sit next to someone else. The beginning, it's always difficult. The first word which I would like to bring is thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. Every time when I meet Christians who invited me and I represent behind me the Jewish nation, maybe the Israeli who live in the state of Israel, maybe the Israeli Jews who live in Eretz Israel, I feel not alone. I don't know. Feel alone, sometimes it's very comfortable. You don't have to ask. You don't have to hear my wife telling me to clean the house. Sometimes it's much easier to be alone. <laughs> Honestly, you know, that's my gift to the people in the 23 years old before they married. You know, 
Sometimes it's not easy to be married, you know. I'm sure I'm not talking only from myself. Sometimes there is difficulty. But sometimes to be alone, it's very difficult. And to be alone, not only personally, to be alone with almost 15 million Jews around the world, only seven and a half million in Eretz Israel, surrounded with billions of others, Muslim who surround and live in the Middle East, Christian in another circle which arrive here to Paris, to be alone, sometimes it's a feeling. And to be here, you remind me personally first that I am not alone. And thank you for that. And more than that, by welcoming me here with a beautiful song and people, and young people mostly, who play from their art. So I know intellectually that you cure your heart and your heart communities, but you cure my heart as well. And thank you for that. It's not an intellectual word. You know, the Jews always have a full shelf of books. You know, you know Jews, they are thinking, they are talking, they are debating, you know, always fighting. You know, the street of Israel now, it's a full of people, everyone know the truth. Everyone got a message from God, what is true. But they are standing on a two different side. But you talk from your heart. And you remind me that it's very important part in life, in a daily life. Not only what you think, but what we feel. What is inside, you remind me. And I felt so warm and part of you, even though I am Israeli Jew, kibbutznik, Holocaust survivor's son, many titles. But here, together with you, I was a human being. I wasn't visit only a new life, church, people. I met you as a human being who ask and pray for good life, for good in the house, to help to homeless people, to help the kids, to give them a good education. It happened in many other society I met on the road. I've been around the world for seven years for one reason. For me, it's hard to say, but honestly, that is my word. The God sent me to the world. The beginning was very difficult. What he want me to be with a suitcase, 15 hours flight from Tel Aviv to Paris, 
It's not easy. I crossed 70. Why you want me to be here? New life? I crossed almost all my life and now I'm in a new life. (laughs) 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 So thank you for that. Every moment it's a new life. And every moment I could change, I understood. I can choose. It is my choose to decide to be on a road, to be together. What I would like to bring you, it's not to teach you something. Because you are far away from me, knowing the Bible. When I was a child, always when I started to think, the teacher said, look, you should be on the last row and don't open your mouth. You know, I was a terrible singer. <laughs> but here now, I feel that is it so important to be in exact voice? Everyone has his own voice. And it's a beautiful melody. It's all of you. And I was part of that. So I'm not going to teach anything but to share. To feel that we are one big group which become bigger and bigger around the world who pray and ask to create better life, new life on the earth. But I would like, before I start the reason why I'm standing here, to say something more. You mentioned that I am a son of Holocaust survivors. From both sides, most of my family murdered in the land of Poland. The murder by Christians, the murder by Nazi, and for me, one of the most painful things and curing moment to cure the painful history of my family, of my nation. Instinctively, every time when I meet Christian people, I see behind the death camp. I taught at school about the Inquisition. When millions of Jews executed from Spain and Portugal. In the history class, I taught how the king of England threw out the Jews from England for quite a long time. So instinctively, to cross the door for a Christian community, the first thing is said, oh, Rami, what do I do here? But as I hear with you, see that you cool yourself from your heart. It helped me to cool myself in my heart. Not to stand on hate, on a very sad memory, but to see that all of us, we do bad things, 
and we can open ourselves to a new life. To remember, we are not perfect. And not personally talking only. As a human being. It was a terrible years in Europe between 39 till 45. And just share with Craig, the Pope once was a man who chose from Poland. He was an archbishop in Poland and he chose to be the Pope. I do not remember the years. And he came with one word, one important word to the Jews. Sorry. He talked from his heart. Sorry of what we, the Christian, the Christian Catholic, the Christian Protestant, whatever, sorry of push you, the Jews, to be isolated from the society, from schools, not only during the Holocaust, but for many years back in a different way. It's part of the spirit of the Jews to be isolated. And you remind me, and it's so much thanks for that, by coming to Israel in every Sukkot, thousands of Christians surround Jerusalem and travel around the Holy Land and I met a lot of friends. And I always remind them and remind myself we are not alone. We are not alone. There is a good hope for the next day, for the next week. You sang here a beautiful song with a three meaning. Stone, valley, and harmony. And I ask these three things personally, with you, with all of you, with all the human beings on the earth. It's not only a question between Jews and the other world. I talk in some time, different words, but the same meaning with Muslim. I told them, we are one family. We are not enemy. And I met many of them, accept it. So there is something on the surface. But deep into their art, they know that all of us Go from the same root. You just read the Genesis. The same root. We are the son of God. And somehow, the story of Antebe reminds us that we are all face miracles of God. One God. The same God. There is no a Jewish God a Muslim God, a Christian God. I met so many Jews. They said, no, no, that is our God. 
That is our God. We are the first and no one will take the power from that to be the first. What is bad to be the second? What is so bad? And the third, just to be a human being. That's the most important. Not to be the first. But then the Jews fight not only to be the first. They fight with the other yeshiva to be the first. They said, oh, Chabad is the first. No, and the Israelis who are secular, they are the second. No, we are all, even in the Jews' community, we are whole human beings. The success of bringing back from Antebbe 105 and four ostriches safely home not only orthodox Jews it was a few not only family with children not only Israeli secular Israeli Jew but Christian as well I flew to Antebbe not to choose who is Jew and to bring him back. Everyone. Everyone who caught by the terrorist, I knew that my mission is to try to bring him safely back home to the family hand. At 76, I was away of any religious meaning, a meaning, spiritual meaning, my spirit was standing on one thing, fighting for saving life of the people of state of Israel. And I found myself in many situations where my life was in a dangerous situation. My friend killed but we knew that the next day we face again, and the next day we'll face again a situation where we should put our life for other people's life. And it's not easy at all. But we did it. Because one thing, and Thank you to remind there is a f- always important thing, and I mostly say that to you, to young people. But it's for all of us, even for me. If we got a vision, we can find the road. If we lost the vision, there is no road. We should create a vision. What we want to achieve. What is the future look like? Where do you want to go? We should create vision. And my vision as I joined the army was to take part on the years when I served the country to save life of people, the citizens of the state of Israel, to create the state, to give them a better way to 
make family, bring children to the world. Hopefully we save life. And today we are still struggling with the same thing. And it's not a political question. It's a vision. Where do we want to go? What do you want to create? And I now understand which something I couldn't understand in 76. You awake me with other higher vision to create a holy space, a holy land. It's a beautiful vision. And to be here with you remind me that my new life, to bring a new vision. And I share it with you. Thank you for awake and strength that vision. It's Sunday, 28th of June, 76. Innocent people, like all of you, like me, they were on a civilian flight, prepared to be after five hours flight from Tel Aviv to Paris. Most of them, they were known Jews. They took a seat on an elephant flight, which is not a Israeli airlines. And after 24 hours, they found themselves away from their plan. They landed 4,000 kilometer down of Tel Aviv, of Israel. What for? What for? They plan to be somewhere, to meet their family back home, wedding reason. And then they found themselves in a room at that size, 240 people, without knowing what will be the next day. And Tuesday morning, the terrorists, two from Germany and two from the Middle East, walk in and read a paper what they asked from the government away from where they hear the voice of the terrorists. What their demands? Very simple. 50 terrorists, what they call them, freedom fighter. What you want to bring? Freedom to whom? They ask for five million dollars. Wasn't that much. But they told the people in a different age, different nationality, if the two governments not accept what we ask from them, we kill you and you and you. We gave them an ultimatum. In two days, they should answer yes, unless they not answer, we'll start to kill you. What those people could do? Nothing. Nothing. 
They were in a jail, in a prison. The only things what they could do is praying. That's the only thing. And people, doesn't matter if they were Gentile, if they were Orthodox Jews, if they were Christians, everyone started to pray. You know, some Jews put feeling on their hand and pray with that feeling. Probably you know. So, one of the ostriches took his feeling and started to pray. Immediately, the terrorist jumped on him and asked, what do you do? He said, oh, what is that? He asked. Oh, that is a communication machine. He said, oh, he was very worried. What is this Jew do? A communication. Now probably called to the force in Israel. He said, no, 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 no. Be careful. That is a connection to God. He said, for whom? That is the Jewish way to connect God. They were so afraid that they ran away from him. That is the way you pray. They pray over there. They ask the help of God in such a situation. They couldn't do anything more. And as the news spread out from Uganda to the world, it was the same with the Jews around the world. And Christian community who support Israel, like you, started to pray. To ask God to help to those people, to themselves. Everyone wants to pray. And in Israel, we said, and it was impossible to create a plan, a military plan, to go down to Antebbe. It was too far, too risky to go. So the only thing is what left is praying. You better than me know what is mean praying. You know that. And after two hours happened the most terrible things for the Jews over there in Antebbe. Only 30 years of the Holocaust time. The terrorists Divided the non-Jews from the Jews. The world selection for Jews, and you know that, I'm sure so, made a selection. On one room was 105 Jews. On the main room was 140 non-Jews. Between the Jews who were selected to be on the other room was about 30 Holocaust survivors. They hear German, all the memory from the Holocaust time, only 30 years back, awake immediately. And it's not only awake the selection. Then you from the very fresh memory what is come next? And the next is this. That was the memory of the selection. This. One Holocaust survivor 
from Auschwitz came to the German leader and showing the number of the when You know, the German stamped number on the arm of each one Jew who brought to the camp, to the death camp, and told him, all my life, I taught my children in Israel that now there is a new German. And now I am here. I see you. If I would survive and be back to my children, what words I use to explain them what happened to me? By German, by you. The German laughed at him, took his gun, and hit him in his face, and told him, Today you are the Israeli are the Nazi in the world. And today in Israel, there is the demonstration. And I hear usually on one side, blame the other side, you are the Nazi. And I am Holocaust survivor. Most of my family murdered in Poland. And I hear that the Jews, the German, everyone blame each other there is a new Nazi on a hearse. And I couldn't understand that. How that could happen? If anyone in this room believed that it's possible that the Israeli create a death camp in the West Bank, which by plan takes the Palestinian and put them in a death camp, Creating a plan to kill Palestinians by purpose, it's happened. And I critical Israel in many times. But it's never happened for killing. It happened sometime that someone killed Palestinians and he took to jail. But as a purpose of the country, it's never happened. We struggle in Israel for surviving. We would like to exist, to stay alive. I don't know if I represent others, but when I look what happened on the other side of the border between Israel and Syria, I am afraid. The way that Muslim, same tribes, different belief, Sunnah and Shia killed each other. I'm afraid it could happen to my family, to my kids, to my grandchildren. And I want you, and I know in many cases you are already, but I want to strengthen it, to remember he would like to survive, to bring the Messiah, to bring a safe life, to bring the opportunity to old people, to mental illness people, a better way to live. And you do so much effort for that in the Eretz Israel. To remember, to tell to your friend, 
to tell in a paper, in a magazine, in a media. We are not the devil on the earth. We did a lot of mistakes. It's not mean that now it's a time to sweep us from the earth. We need you to stand together for surviving of people, human beings, who would like to bring better life. And that's what happened in Uganda, the selection. A few hours after, the world was quiet, as it was in the Second World War. No one country, and I suggest very carefully, no one country made a statement of sympathy to suppose the Holocaust, the survivors, the, the ostriches, sorry, support the country, bring a humanitarian voice to the people on the earth. No one country. Only none in a monastery in Jerusalem decide, decided to do something. And they wrote a letter to the Pope that they would like to be with the ostriches over there in Uganda. Now, in the 4th of July, was 47 years since the operation. They are still waiting to the answer. Still waiting to the answer. Why? Why the world was so quiet? What these people did? Against whom? Mostly non-Jews. Why the world was so quiet? That was the background of what happened in 76. Because today, in many cases, the clear voice not sound very clearly. And thanks God that you go to the street. You come to Israel for a positive meaning. You're not blaming all the time. You're not criticizing Israel. There is reason to criticize. But there is something above. In that atmosphere... All the situation changed, and the government of Israel said to discuss what to do. The French government sent two orphans plan and took out from Uganda, from Entebbe, the non-Jews passengers. The selection ended. What to do? Wasn't easy to create a plan. Wasn't easy at all. It was too risky, too far away. Lucky us that they took so far but to Uganda the plan. Because at the beginning of the 70, end of the 60, 
was a very strong relation between Uganda and Israel. So a few Israel knew a bit the mentality of the Uganda. They knew how the country map in 76 wasn't Google yet. On Saturday noon, or first of all, Saturday morning, the government of Israel set to discuss what to do. They knew that one way is open negotiation with the terrorists. But at the same time, they got a plan, very risky plan, which we prepared, in which way to move forward. And they couldn't make their mind, all the ministers. They set hours. They told secretly to Rabbi, the Lubavitcher, the Chabad Rabbi, the Chabad head of the movement, secretly that what might be the Israel decide to do. And he prayed because it was secret. He prayed without telling to his disciples any reason. And for 24 hours, he sat and prayed for the success of the operation. At 1.30, we were loaded on four heavy carrier planes. 240 soldiers, aircrew, doctors, eight cars, and one god. You know, we put it on our pocket. It's better to have him. <laughs> we flew over to Sharm el-Sheikh, the more south airbus at that time, before the government decided but they want to show the time to fly to Antebbe. We landed in Sharm el-Sheikh. First of all, we went out to refresh a bit, to drink something. It was a very difficult flight. The first leg of the flight, of nine hours flight, was the most difficult. I told you at the beginning, the first step is the most difficult. Then, as you start to drive the car, it's much easier. But to turn on the engine to decide to go somewhere, to wake for a beautiful night, the first moment is the most difficult. Then it's easier. Then we change our uniform. Only 33 soldiers from Israeli IDF uniform to Ugandan uniform. So, not everyone got the right size. My shirt was too tight. My trousers was too wide. In American movie, they paint us. That is the American, you know. Everything should be very dramatic. So they paint our face with black color. It wasn't true, but it was good to make money. You know? <laughs> That's American. <laughs> you know. 
I was with a Polish face. <laughs> and we went to the plan and we took another leg of flight, three hour flight. And we flew only 30 meters above, above the seawater. Only 30 meters. Try to imagine. Usually the civil flight, it can K above the earth. And we flew only 30 meters above the sea level. The real error of the operation, in my understanding, is the pilot. For three hours to go down on a Red Sea, only 30 meters above, it's very difficult. As we arrive around Ethiopia, it was almost dark. We got a message from the government. They took the risk and gave us a permission to land. And then the one who controlled everything, you know, they're better than me, faced us with a tropical storm. We were very close to the tropic, to the equator, and for the next two and a half hours, we flew in dark in a storm. The four Hercules moved from side to side like a matchbox. The hills which eated the plane was a sound like someone shooting all the time. Of course, we couldn't sleep, we couldn't eat. The cars released, so we were very worried that in a second they could hit the wall of the plan, and we could be on the ground in, in Ethiopia. It wasn't a short, it was two and a half hours. And then, as we arrive above Lake Victoria, which separate Kenya and Uganda, immediately the storm ends. And at 11.1, only one minute delay of what the Air Force plan, but I'm sure you understand what I use the, Of course, the Air Force, the Israeli Air Force plan, but without help of him, how that could be? After such a difficulty flight, only one minute delay, we landed in a surprise situation. No one in the airport, it was an international airport, it was an active time. Of course, not very many planes landed, but still, the airport was full of light. And we did, landed in the middle of the night, we stopped the plane, on the end of the runway, and we drove out three cars, black Mercedes, two Land Rover Jeep, to where the terminal, where the terrorist coat hold the ostriches. The transformation from being nine hours in a metal box, very noisy, 
very difficult situation. There is no seat. We sat on the floor of the plane. No air condition, no window. Hardly we knew where we were to go out to a beautiful night in Africa. The transformation on, from one situation to another took me to feel that I'm in a dream. I enjoyed the quietness, the beautiful night with the full stars on the sky. Everywhere was green and nobody came to ask, who are you? What do you do here? No one cared that only 33 soldiers drove toward the terminal. We stopped the car on the front door. It was quiet. How that could be? You know the answer how that could be. I didn't know at that time how that could be. I was so surprised how that could be. How the terrorists, not awake, they didn't leave any guard outside. The Ugandan army wasn't seen around. No one. The plan was very simple. And it's a question of good luck and the help of him. That is a word which I use now, help of him, came many years after. At that time, I was so much Israeli officer in the elite unit. Elite unit, the best unit in the IDF. That's the elite. <laughs> so I chose to be an officer. That's all what I, I knew. And I was in the front. I sat on a jeep behind the black Mercedes. How that could be? And we knew all. In five minutes, we can succeed it or fail. But we knew more than that. If we felt 4,000 kilometers from Israel on the ground over there in Antebbe, we are in a really trouble. No one could bring us any help. No one. We can pray. Maybe something happened. But practically, we knew. And as we ran toward the hole, very heavy fire opened from the control tower beside the hole. After some seconds, Yoni Netanyahu, the brother of Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, he was the commander of the force, fall down. But we knew when you, we fight with terrorists, the question, who is open fire first, it's a critical point. So we ran and left him with, <coughs> with the doctor. In five minutes, seven terrorists killed, 
20 Ugandan soldiers killed. They were on the second floor. We divided to six teams, and each one ran to a different section of the building. 20 Ugandan killed, seven terrorists killed, unfortunately, two hostages killed. They tried to escape from the crossing fire, and one of the soldiers thought they are terrorists and killed them. Brevi said for themselves, for the family, but in such a situation, it's so difficult to understand who is friend and who is enemy. It was almost dark. And lucky us that only two killed and not more. One ostriches killed, uh, wounded very seriously, and the next day he died. As the fire was slowed down, I came with the car and took Yoni Netanyahu to the medical plant who wait. The doctor over there couldn't save his life. After some minutes, he closed his eyes. In a drawback, one jeep in the middle of earth, in the middle of the airport. Airport is a huge land, you know that. To be alone in a dark night, we knew where is the terminal, where the host, but to be alone back to the all. My last duty over there was to lead the ostriches from the hole to where the plan who wait to take him, take them out. Try to imagine. You go to sleep on Saturday night. And then in the middle of the night, Soldiers with Ugandan uniform, talking Hebrew, and told them, we came to take you back home. Most of them, and I interviewed quite a few of them, they were quite sure that we are there for killing. We are Ugandan who arrived to kill them. They went out with trauma on their face. They couldn't believe that we are really want to take them back home. Some of them went with the night clothes. You know, after some days, they opened the suitcase and started to make a regular day and life, and night life. They went out with night clothes. Some of them without shoes. Of course, the mothers, all the babies on their hand. But no talks. No one of them talks. And I remember that it looked like it happened last night. We told them they're hardly listening. As we started to walk, 104 ostriches, Israeli Jews, Jews from the diaspora, and a very important man. Bruce McKenzie, a Christian man. 
He was the captain of the airfront flight. And the 12th air crew, all of them decided to stay with the ostriches, even though they had a chance to go back to Paris with the two airfront flights who arrived and took back to Paris the 140 non-Jews. They decided to stay with the Jews, with the passengers, but to be in Uganda. Not to be in a safe place in Paris. All of them walk on a one long hmm, Beside them, Israeli soldiers. I was on the front. And immediately, without any explanation, I hear a voice. Rami, you saved life of Jews. I was shocked. I was there as a Israeli. Officer in the elite unit, kibbutznik, Zionist, living in Israel. And what did that mean, saving life of Jews? Nobody, no one arrived to save my family life over there in Poland. And now I'm on the ground, away from Israel, and I had a chance, I told to myself, to save life of those ostriches. But I never use the word Jews as a positive meaning to myself. I go up in a different atmosphere, very much occupied by being Israeli. And now I hear a voice, you save life of Jews. I was so happy that I got a chance that the country sent me over. As we arrived to the plan, we tried to count to be sure that all the ostriches is us, and every time we miss one. Then one ostriches stood up and said, oh, my mother, she took yesterday to the hospital in Kampala, the capital city of Uganda, and was Dora Bloch. Who was Dora Bloch? Dora Bloch was 73 years old Jew. She was on a plane to work New York to a wedding of one of the family members. And she swallowed a fishbone and Muslim doctor, which arrived every day to see if he could help the ostriches, took her to the hospital in Kampala. We didn't know that. The next day, Idi Amin forced murder, killed her. 73 years old lady, Jew. In 52 minutes, from the moment the first Hercules landed in Antebe, the Hercules with the ostriches took off. And in that 50 minutes, all the world remember what happened. The plane flew over to Nairobi, Kenya. Why? It's another aspect. How Kenya became a back base 
of the operation. Because Christian men, very important men, why I mention him? In a second, I will tell how help. Because this mission, there is so many aspects of the connections that if we work together, we can create a better life, a better future, a better help to the people who need. The Christian man name was Bruce McKenzie. I don't know how many of you remember or know this name. Bruce McKenzie born to a Christian family, English Christian family in South Africa, and then the family moved to Kenya, and years after, he became a minister in Kenya government. And he worked for three governments. First of all, for Kenya. Secondly, he worked secretly for the Queen through MI5, the Secret Service of England. So they pay him something and he did many things to support England. But the third, what he called, he helped the Jewish state, the Jewish people. He never called Israel as a state of Israel. He said, I help the Jewish people, the Jewish state. For me, personally, he is the one I met a Christian friend of Israel, man, like you. He prepared Kenya to be the back base together with others, of course, not alone, to be a back base for the operation. Without his help, probably it was impossible for the government of Israel to send us to Entebbe. This man, two years after, as Idi Amin understood how much he was involved for the succeeded of the operation, asked him to come over to Entebbe to sign. He was a very important minister in the government of Kenya to sign paper of a new agreement between the two countries. And they had a beautiful lunch in Entebbe. They signed papers. And just before Bruce left home, back to Kenya, 40 minutes to cross the Victoria Lake, Idi Amin, he was a big man, stood up and gave him a big head of a lion, which symbolized in Africa tradition to represent a good and strong and heavier relation. As a plan was above Lake Victoria, the head exploded, and Bruce McKenzie, together with the pilot and his staff, all coercion into the water and killed. And he paid in his life for the success of the operation. But he represents me 
that it wasn't only question of the Israeli, the Jews, but in many aspects, Christians were involved. Bruce, not Bruce, Captain Bacos, Michel Bacos, the French captain, in 2019, passed away. And I, just by the end of him, probably, I was just landed in Nice, a, city, a French city south in France, where we live. He was 95 years old, and his wife told me he had a beautiful life. Rami, would you please tell some word in his funeral? Of course, I felt it's an honor for me. And in the two days, I found myself in the central cathedral in Nice, talking about him and telling one word. Thank you, Michel Bacos, of what you did for the ostriches, for the children who were there. Thank you for the army of Israel. Thank you for the state of Israel. Thank you from the Jewish world. And thank you for each one citizen in the world. You remind us that was my world over there in Central Cathedral of Nice. Thank you Michel, of what you left. Sometimes values is more important than personal interest. Today we are in a period of life when everyone mostly asks, what is the benefit first? What I can get? What is the most important for me? Thanks God that you are reminded today. And Michel the mind, 2019, by decision to stay with the ostriches. In the next day, who could be the first one that the terrorists could kill him? But he decided to stay, to remind us sometime quality of life, values, is the most important. But as I go out under his body, the orchestra started to play the tikva, the hope, the usually national song. What was the hope? The hope is what happened now here. The hope what will happen as we back home from the time you spent here. The hope is the closest future and far future. Standing on positive values of life. And thanks God and thanks you that we are standing together on that to bring better life to the world to each one in the world in a different way, but the same vision. In 
1981, the American army prepared similar operation to bring back, to take out from the embassy in Tehran 45 American citizens and soldiers. For months, they prepared the operation. And as they flew and crossed the Saudi Arabia and Iraq desert, was very bad weather and bad luck. The two planes crashed and everything fell. And we prepared our operation in two days is very small information. And by good luck, or in the other world to say the same thing, the most busy one in the operation was the one who created everything. He worked extra hours. And we succeeded. Unfortunately, four ostriches killed Yoni Netanyahu killed. It's very sad to each one family. In a two years' time, Christians killed. Very sad for each one. But if we look and we ask ourselves carefully why you stood up from a chair, a beautiful warm house, and come here to listen to me is to remind us the most busy one was him. He shows his face in very delicate or sometimes very clear face. And I end my talk by saying I flew to Antebbe as a Yisraeli as an officer in an elite unit, now you know what it is. <laughs> As a Zionist, that is my home. I flew back from Antebbe as a Jew, but I didn't realize it till I reached the 40 years anniversary of the operation, 2016. When one day, I asked to share the story of the operation in Denmark, Copenhagen. And since then, I am around the world. And now I am here for one reason, to remind me that to be Jew, there is so many good things on that. But more than that, to be here to remind us there is a positive things on the world, and we should awake that and pray for that. Thank you. We just want to um, say thank you. Uh, it's, it's, this has been an opportunity 
uh, unique opportunity for us, actually, and, and to hear you speaking as an Israeli Jew, as a fighter. <laughs> yeah, a fighter. Yep. A commander in, in an elite unit. Elite unit. Elite, elite unit, yep. Um, for so many years. Actually, you know, and when God created you, he formed you for that purpose. He did. And I'm not that developed to understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We, we get it. And um, although, you know, you know, we are different in the sense that you are a Jew, I am not a Jew, right? Jews and non-Jews, yeah? In the purposes of God, I want to read this. This is the, the words of the Apostle Paul. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. This is a Jewish rabbi. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read those words before? No. Yeah. That is why you are here. Because God is doing this work in the earth. Yeah. And that makes that very powerful to understand that. And so we give God the praise this morning. We give God the thanks that you are here telling us things that we don't know about, but which help us to connect with the prayers that we pray for God to bring this about and to bring it to its completion. So we are very thankful to you, Rami, and would you just give him another round of applause? Mean new life. Yeah, that, that's what means. Yeah, that's that's what new life means. <laughs> that's right, exactly. And let's um, let's have the worship team back up here. But would you stand? Because oh, let's pray for for Rami and his family. And we want to thank God for him, for him being here, for his his stories, and the fact that God is not finished. 
God is not finished. And the God who created all of us is the God who will bring peace through the Messiah to all the world. And we understand here, Rami, that Jesus was a Jewish man and God sent him because he chose a people, a Jewish people, the Jewish nation. Not because they were particularly excellent. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) We all agree on this, right? No, everyone, no. (laughs) But he chose. He chose you for a particular function. And to be a light to the Gentile nations. And he chose and he, he brought us into his plan. And in Isaiah 62, the prophet Isaiah, he talks about God telling him, God's telling Isaiah, right? That he is creating a people. He will set watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. People like us. What do we do? We watch and we pray. And God said there, Isaiah, don't worry about it. I will do this. And these watchmen, these people who pray, the ones that you go and speak to, right? And you you thank us. God has set us on the wall of prayer to pray for Jerusalem, the peace of Jerusalem, for the nation. So that everything that God has promised will come to pass just as he's promised in his word. Yeah. Praying. You know, I was once in New Zealand, not far from here, and I talked to a Maui tribes. And the Maui tribe, as I finished, he came and he shared a beautiful word, but he said, you said the pray, but he said, Rami, remember, if you need me, I take my kayak and I go up to Israel to be next to you. (laughs) (laughs) So pray is important, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, action, action. Yeah, we get it, we get it. Yeah, and and you know what? There was about 30 of us who were in Israel this year. Yeah? 30. Yeah, put your hand up. From here? We were in Israel in March. And uh, my husband and I going back in October. In October. And then the next time we all go is 2025, right? So in October, yeah, we'll be in Israel. You most welcome, and all of you by 25, to come to and your house. me and the kibbutz. <laughs> it's a good community, you know, we live. Come over. We're coming. <laughs> okay, yes, okay. And you and your husband. Yes, yes, we, yeah, we'll be there. With this guy. And this guy, yeah. This guy should be around, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You're always with the end. Amen. Yes. Let's pray now. (laughs) Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for what you were doing. Jesus, you came and gave your life because the Father's purpose, as Paul has outlined it here, is to bring peace to the world, to create one new man out of all, out of everything. Who could think that you, God, could bring peace where there is nothing but hostility? 
but this is who you are. And we thank you for Rami. We thank you for his life and his family back in Israel and his grandchildren. And we thank you, Lord, that you save. We thank you that you open eyes. We thank you that you brought him here today to share with us. And we thank you for your eternal purposes. We thank you, Father. And as we finish with worship, we bring you all the glory. We give you all the glory. We thank you, God, that your son will return to Jerusalem. We thank you that he will be the king of all kings, the Messiah of both Jew and Gentile. And that peace, everlasting peace, will rule the world. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship. <laughs> and usually the Jews outside Israel end their prayer by saying, Next year in Jerusalem. And every one of you say amen, but I am in Jerusalem and I said next year in Paris again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> amen. Let's worship. Thank you, Ralph.